0: Welcome to Relationships Unhinged Podcast, where we explore dysfunctional partnerships that became deadly.
1: These stories give a whole new meaning to the term, till death do us part.
0: Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of Relationships Unhinged Podcast.
1: 20 seems like a milestone.
0: It is, and I have a really amazing story, and I have a surprise for you. Okay. Because you've been dying for an old story. No way. This one's from, okay, get it? I'm ready. 1959.
1: Whoa. Right? Now, now, now I'm excited. Okay. So, like, I'm really excited. 1959, this is awesome.
0: I know, and this is part two of our little Christmas mini series. We have like four-part Christmas murder series. That's right. In honor of the holidays which the holidays always make people crazy. True. This story. I have no idea how I never heard of this story because you know I'm a crime junkie. Like, you know I'm like... Just
1: 1959.
0: But it's extremely famous. Okay. It's extremely famous if you've ever been to L.A. I personally have not been to L.A. But if you've been to L.A., it's famous. See, like, if I... If I go somewhere and there's like a haunted history, I like to take like those tours where like someone was killed here, there's a ghost here, this is haunted. I love those kind of things. Right. So if I went to L.A., I definitely would go on one of those tours. And this house is on one of those tours. Hmm. So this is the house of Harold and Lillian Pearlson. He was a doctor. And... This actually took place in the Los Feliz n- neighborhood, which is where the La Bianca murders took place. Oh, no kidding. So, like, where the Mansons, like, w- after they killed Sharon yeah, and Tate and them, yeah. like, the next night or whatever, they went out and they killed those people that own the grocery store. Yep. So, we're never going to cover, you know, the, yeah. the Manson situation because it's not a relationship story. But everyone's, I think, kind of familiar with it, especially people that listen to crime stuff. Um,. So this is such an interesting story. It happened ten years after the lobby on. You had me at hello. As
1: soon as you said 1959.
0: I know. Harold was a doctor, and he kind of he kind of fit like the mold for the the book Outliers. Where the book Outliers is a book I read. It was like oh, it was kind of like trendy a couple years ago, where they talk about like a couple of things that like like that trended and like they were able to connect things together. And one of the things was how all these like Jewish families from New York immigrated and then all their children became doctors and lawyers because a lot of these families came from other countries like you know in Europe or Russia or wherever and they were so poor and they owned like you know they were like a cobbler or they owned like a tailor shop and they literally worked like 24 hours a day and they would all say the same thing like I want better for my kids. So they like did all this like so that they could send their kids to medical school or law school. So this whole like area, all the, all the kids of these immigrants became doctors and lawyers. So he kind of fits into that mold. His parents are're um, immigrants. His dad's a Polish immigrant. His mom's a Russian immigrant. and he was the oldest of four kids. His wife, Lillian Silver, was from Ohio and she was also the daughter of immigrants. After he graduated from medical school, he moved to California, where I guess he thought that there was like a, you know, a lot of opportunity for young doctors. He started out like in neurology. He went to this family practice and he started out in neurology. But he ended up being a cardiologist and he taught cardiology. He was a professor a professor of cardiology. So they bought this house um, at 2475 Glendower Place and it was built in 1925
1: <laughs> what it's just it's funny you like know the address
0: well because it's famous that's what i'm trying to say like it's famous Right. so it was and there's a lot of history to it it's like the house has a lot to do with our story kind of so it was built in 1925 for harry schumacher and he died and it was sold on 12 so remember that date 12 is kind of like a thing so it's this spanish style mansion right and it's like up on a hill and then down the hill in the front yard from it it's like a garage that's like embedded into the hill but like a three-car detached garage with like this stairway that goes up to the house it's very dilapidated now but I could only imagine its grander so this house had four master bedrooms a hall a conservatory a breakfast room staff quarters a bar and a ballroom so basically, it was the Clue House.
1: Yeah, it is exactly what it sounds like.
0: Right? It was the doctor with the knife <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> so with the candlestick. Right. So they had three children, Judy, Joel, and Debbie. So at the time that this took place, Judy was 18, Joel was 13, Debbie was 11. Okay so this guy was like kind of an entrepreneur as well as being a doctor and he had a business partner named edward shoestack and they invented this glass capsule that injected substances through a syringe so like making them i guess safer and less likely to be contaminated so i th- i want to say you know in, like for the people in the medical field i feel like it may be like the beginnings of like a carp which had like this I had like a glass vial that hooked onto a needle and then like you could inject medications. Or I mean, it also like, there's like a little blueprint of it. It looks like a glass tube with like a glass um, plunger that maybe you could draw blood with. So I guess like it's supposed to just, I guess not contaminate specimens. So they worked on this project for 11 years and Edward ended up selling, stealing the idea Getting a patent for it and and sold the idea and he was completely cut out of it. Dr. Perelson was completely cut out of it. Hmm. So Dr. Pearlson sued him and he wanted um, he wanted a hundred thousand dollars because his partner got very rich from this invention. He wanted a hundred thousand dollars, which he thought was his cut, which is the equivalent of about a million dollars in today's money. But they gave him twenty-four thousand. And with the money that he had put into it and the time he had put into it and the research and all that, it it was like it was like a slap in the face. He put like way more than that into it. And he was kind of like becoming financially sunk over it. So then in 1957, um, the doctor was in a car accident with his daughter, Judy, driving. So they got in the accident and the accident was sounding like a pretty decent accident. She had a concussion and a knee injury. And a, I love the old medical terms, a shock to the nervous system. (laughs) (laughs) Joel had a head injury and Debbie had a cheek laceration. So there was like some dispute about who caused the accident. He claimed that they ran a a stop sign and and that's why the accident happened. But they claimed that it was Judy's fault. Who claims the, the other driver oh, okay. so being like a young driver there's a chance it could have been her fault but I think like he was really desperate for money and decided he wanted to then sue them for the injuries and stuff so he tried to sue them for $50,000 but he only won enough to cover the medical costs
1: hmm.
0: so now at that time now that seems like it would be a lot like these days but at that time you know, I have this crazy hospital bill from when my dad was born, which was in the 50s. It was $19.
1: $19?
0: Yeah. So that included the admission, the doctor's fee, the anesthesia fee, everything. $19.
1: There's a lot of big pharma.
0: Right. So I feel, I feel like he maybe he got like a couple hundred bucks, yeah. you know?
1: $19, wow.
0: Yeah. So all these financial losses that he was taking took a like a, a financial toll and a mental toll on him. And he had some coronaries. So I lo- I love the fact that they used to use the term coronaries. But he had some coronaries and he was hospitalized several times for these coronaries.
1: He was a cardiologist.
0: Yeah. Turns out they weren't coronaries. Turns out they were suicide attempts. Oh. Yeah.
1: The plow thickens.
0: Right. So After all this happened, he started to, like, lose some of his ambition. He started to just, like, get depressed. Obviously, he attempted suicide multiple times. And he started to, like, read all these, like, weird, ominous, dark books and stuff. And, like, only just, like, dark publications. So on December 6th of 1959 through December 7th, you know, is when this incident took place. So whatever happened, like, you know, the family went to bed as normal on December 6th and around 4 30 a.m he goes into his bedroom where his wife's sleeping and he hits her with a i gotta say it right because i can't ever say it right a ball peen hammer oh my gosh but he hits her so hard that her skull like actually like almost like just implodes basically and like instantly her pillow was just covered in blood then he goes into his daughter judy's room vicious and he hits her with the hammer. Oh, my God. But she survives this attack. And while he's, like, fighting her off, which this is, like, kind of scary. He's, like, fighting her off. <laughs> and she's like, stop, Dad. Don't kill me. Stop. Oh and he's God. telling her, lay still. Lay still. Creepy. Right? I know. And, she, and so, yeah, he tells her, keep quiet. Lay still. So then her screams wake up the, the younger sister. And the younger sister comes into the room And she's like, What are you doing? And And he goes, Yeah. So he says, Debbie, go back to bed. It's just a nightmare. Oh my God. Right? So somehow Judy fights him off and she runs to the neighbor's house. So
1: she must have been in bad shape.
0: The crazy part is, is like the neighbors, because this is a time when it was very quiet in the world, the neighbors heard her screaming. And so the ones across the street didn't answer the door. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't answer the door. But across the street is where her friend lived. And so her friend, like, has, like, a lot of input to this story and, like, told the story, like, years later and stuff and, like, you know, continues to tell the same story. So she goes to the neighbor's house, um, this guy Marshall Ross. So he, you know, he says, oh, come in, come in. He calls the police. But then he just goes over to Dr. Pearlson's house.
1: That's how it was back then.
0: Right. Like, you know, these days you just barricade yourself in your house and yeah. like don't even answer the door, but he just like busted over there. Like, I don't care if he's in a murderous rage, I must find out. Is he okay? You know? I don't know. So Debbie and Joel were just sitting on the first floor, you know, just kinda like stunned. So he goes upstairs and he confronts Harold and he, and Harold says, Go home, don't bother me. Not that okay. he
1: did what about the second daughter?
0: She's still at Mr. Ross's house, the neighbor's house, waiting for the cops to come.
1: No, there was two daughters. Yes. Yeah, so the, the nightmare one, what about her?
0: Yes, yeah, so she's sitting downstairs with her brother when this guy comes in the house. She's not dead, he didn't, he didn't hit her in the head with a hammer, he did not hit the brother in the head with a hammer. Wow. So the neighbor is upstairs in the bathroom and says, you know, what are you doing? That's when he says, go home, don't bother me. But he takes, he he observes him taking Two vials of Nembutal, right, which it used to be like a sleeping pill. Incidentally, it's it killed a lot of people. It killed Judy Garland, and it killed Marilyn Monroe. Oh, wow. And he also took 31 small pills, which were either codeine or other tranquilizers. Oh,
1: yeah, to kill himself after killing his wife. Yeah. So this guy's just standing there?
0: Yeah, well, he goes like he goes back downstairs. He, he, he's, he observes him taking the stuff, and then he. says Did like, he see the dead wife? No, I don't know. It didn't say.
1: Because why isn't this neighbor thumping this guy's ass?
0: <laughs> this guy looked like he'd gone batty, I think. He just was like... And then he tells him, yeah, but go if, home, if I'm don't bother in, me. If I'm
1: walking in the house to see what's going on, and I see the, a woman dead, murdered, I'm beating his ass.
0: I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what was on his mind. But he... Well, he goes downstairs, and the police get to the house around 5.15. They... You know, by the time they get up those like concrete stairs to the house and then up to the second floor, Dr. Pearlson's on the floor and he's barely breathing and he's laying on a pillow covered in his daughter's blood. Jesus. But he died before the ambulance was able to get there and he wasn't savable. And the wife was dead, obviously. Well, 19,
1: in 1959,
0: the, the ambulance. <laughs> I used to go knock on someone's door and no, be the, like, can you bring the, am- <laughs> no, the ambulance? The ambulance was,
1: was literally just.
0: A station wagon? A way
1: to transport someone to the I mean, you know, oh right. There was they nobody train. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 So um so on the nightstand was a copy of Dante's Divine Comedy, and it was open to the quote Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. So I think he was, like, obviously in a dark place.
1: Well, clearly.
0: And he felt like I don't think there was any way out of, like, his financial troubles. And, I mean, I don't know why but his wife deserved to die. I was just
1: going to say that. Why did not he just kill himself then? If, if that was his plan, why why does he have to take all the people Especially
0: out because, him? like, in this occasion when he actually committed suicide, like, he did it right. Like, no one was saving him because he took so much that he died, like, you know, within minutes. Yeah. How did he fail before? Like was he really even trying before? Like yeah, but You're he, a doctor, you know how much kills you. So was he even trying? Thing. Right. I mean I don't even I and, don't even and, think and they were fighting. I don't even did know. Did he blame
1: his daughter for the crash? Is that why he was
0: no. hitting her with a hammer? No, I think his intention was to kill the whole family. <laughs> yeah. But his plot exploded when his one daughter escaped and the other daughter saw it and everyone was screaming, the neighbors could hear. So, um Across the street, the the friend of Judy's was a girl named Cheryl Lewis, who would now be 75. I think she's still alive. And her, she has like, she's got an account of this story that you could read online. And she became a dentist when she grew up. So she said that she can remember that morning when the cops were there and everything, you, you know, things were different then. Like, it right. wasn't like there was a like crime scene tape or anything. Like, the cops were kind of in and out. And she went over there, and she said that she she can just remember sticky blood being everywhere, like on the door and the floor. and um,
1: Traumatizing for a little
0: kid. Weirdly, her, this girl's mother across the street was good friends with the doctor and her dad was good friends with Lillian. And they used to have this joke that her mother would have been more compatible with the doctor because they had like a lot in common. And the father would have been more compatible with Lillian because they had a lot in common. Like they had right. like similar personalities, but they were friends as a couple. And it's kind of funny because so this daughter, Cheryl, thought that Lillian was like a gourmet cook because she used to make tomato soup with cut up hot dogs in it. (laughs) Mm. Mmm, sounds delicious. But when she told her mom that like, that she had this like, was like a gourmet cook, like could make this awesome soup, her mom was like, her mom was actually like a gourmet cook and was like, that's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, I, and was like incensed that her daughter even like would even entertain that as like good cooking. <laughs> Do you think it's funny? It is funny. I think that um, you know his his state of mind obviously was in question. He was reading these dark books. He was in a dark place, and I think that you know not like thinking he couldn't get out of it. He figured right. that he was just gonna take you know, out his whole family. Exactly. His family moved away, and everybody went in th- like separate directions. Um, I'll tell you about that but I'm going to tell you a little bit about the house the house went up for sale and was bought by these people with the last name Enrique and they never lived in it um, so Judy changed her name multiple times so no I don't think anybody knows where she is today what what, what her history is except for the people close to her probably this is the,
1: the daughter survived
0: this is the one that got hit with the hammer yeah, right. so she also she did spend some time in the hospital she had a, obviously a concussion yeah, and a brain a, injury
1: a skull fracture
0: yeah so um, and she was discharged, though, and she did okay. The son, Joel, moved to Israel, became very, very religious in the Jewish faith. They were, they were Jewish, and so he, he moved to Israel and just, like, dedicated his life to the Jewish faith. And nobody really knows exactly where Debbie is. So strangely, um, this house, to this day, has, like, this alleged Christmas tree with presents under it that are unopened. But because his family was Jewish, people say it wasn't them. So, there's a lot of rumors, and one of the rumors is that the house was temporarily rented to somebody, but on December 6th, they fled the house, like the Amityville Horror, never to return, and left all their belongings, including their tree and their presence under it.
1: Yeah, but why would you have presents under the tree on December 6th?
0: I don't know. Sometimes people have older kids, and they just, they just wrap the gifts and put them under. I guess they don't, you know, or maybe they just were just a couple. Maybe they didn't have kids, you know? So, then, like, it doesn't really matter. But to this day, well, yeah, to, not so, to this day, but so, till recent times, there was always like a Christmas tree with presents there, with like all these really preserved, like it was. It's like a not, like a time capsule of the fifties. Like there's like the furniture's still there, a lot of it's still intact, a lot of creepy stuff. So the Enrique's died, and um,
1: but they never lived in it. No, they, they never lived
0: out. in it. No, they never lived. In it. And then when they died, they left the house to their son.
1: But they rented it out, right? Because it's
0: only possibly once for a very short time. Like under a year. Okay. Because the family that allegedly there's no record of it. But somebody obviously put the Christmas tree there. And so the neighbors said like that it was rented for an extremely short time. Only once. Since nineteen fifty nine. Never since. To this day. Right. So they left they left the house to their son their son and um he never lived there. He never sold it. He never rented it he did keep some stuff there so he did go in and out every once in a while and like leave some stuff there i don't know why because there's just a lot of really weird stuff there like these antique dolls antique toys just like the weirdest stuff some magazines but some of the magazines and newspapers that are there that are old happened after the murders so somebody else put them there i don't know who but there's like all these legends surrounding this house that like even like homeless people tried to go there and like wouldn't stay there and that one of the neighbors it's
1: still there now yeah just bulldoze the fucking thing
0: well it's part of this ghost tour thing and and i'm going to get to what's happening with it so one of the neighbors so i guess because of people trying to go there and trying to like sneak in and get a like a a look at what's going on i guess this is like an, an occurrence for people that like haunted stuff they will go there and try and like sneak in or try to get a picture through a window or whatever. So eventually, um, the Enrique's son put a security system in there. So the neighbor next door had a friend who was like curious about like if it was haunted or whatever, and decided she wanted to go over and look at it. So she goes over, she opens the door, sets off an alarm, right? So she shuts the door and runs back to her friend's house. But in the meantime, she's like, oh my hand. She got bit by a black widow spider, just opening the door.
1: Oh My God, that's weird.
0: Right? And then the neighbor claims that for the next several nights, randomly, her alarm would set off when there's nobody there. Like as if her friend like dragged a ghost back to her house.
1: Oh, their alarm was going off too?
0: Yeah, like for the next several nights, like would just go off on its own, randomly. Hmm. Right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So... The house was put on the market and was bought by Lisa Bloom, who is on True TV. She's like one of those commentators. She's the daughter of Gloria Allred and, incidentally, the attorney of Harvey Weinstein. Dirtball. And um, her and her husband bought the house for $2.3 million. And they gutted it and they began renovations. But it went back on the market three years later, unfinished. And it was its listing price was three point five million, and if, like it was kind of like w- like what like what happened that prompt like why didn't it get refinished? You know why, what prompted you to put it right back on the market without ever living with it, living in it? It's basically just studs right now. There's some flooring finished, but it's not like finished in any way. They just need to knock it down. Well, turns out that they claim that there's a lot of red tape because of codes, because of earthquakes, and the elevation of it and the way that they wanted to renovate it that they basically couldn't make it the way they wanted to make it. And so that's why they just turned around and resold it. But I'm not sure.
1: Maybe. I believe that though.
0: I do believe that that's... especially in the West Coast. Possible, yeah. Cuz I you hear a lot about that, you know. Mm-hmm. People people used to build things like however they wanted and then right. you know, you try to renovate it and you know, oh, you can't have a shed there. You can't have that room there. Oh, this isn't a code. Oh, this isn't... So I can see that being the case. But you want to hear the weirdest thing. So say say you're from like Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> and you want to move to California. Right. And you see this old mansion that's for sale. They don't have to tell you that anybody died there. They really? only have to tell you that someone died there if it was in the last three years. Really? Yeah. So regardless of like what happened ever there, there could have been trillions of murders. If it didn't happen in the last three years, they don't have to tell you. Hmm. So they don't have to tell you that it's haunted or that there was a murder there.
1: Well, you can tell someone it's haunted.
0: I mean, you could, but there's no law saying you have to. I, like, I think in our state, if you ask the real estate agent if there was ever a murder, they have to tell you. And if you say, has anybody ever said it was haunted? I think they have to tell you.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: You laugh, but it, there is such a thing. All right. But isn't this crazy? Yeah,
1: that's crazy. This I'm just excited. It kind of fascinates tonight.
0: me. I know. I know.
1: This guy goes crazy and tries to kill his own family. We
0: have to put like, so you're, So when you, when you put information on Instagram about this, you have to like not just put like one of your normal like little things up because there's so many awesome pictures of this that you have to put like, you have to put like at least 10 pictures of it. It's okay. so cool. It's so cool. It's oh. scary. It's scary.
1: Yeah, I'm not, yeah. Well, they just need to bulldoze the thing and just call it a day.
0: Uh, that's what that's what the neighbors say. Yeah, and know. a
1: ball peen hammer. <laughs>
0: a ball peen <laughs> hammer. Yeah. I'm making it funny. I kept wanting to call it a peen ball. <laughs> I feel like somebody used to call it a peen ball hammer right. when I was a child, and that's all I want.
1: Well, a ball peen hammer is like that's a vicious way to get killed.
0: It's like got that little round yeah, thing at the end, yeah, it's right? Ti- yeah, it's tiny. Yeah, and so it's, it's almost like a bullet. But it's hard in your hand. It's
1: hard though. It's you know. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Getting hit in the head with that.
0: Well, you see those birds so immediately. You want to hear the craziest thing? What? When they did her autopsy. I'm sorry. I
1: thought you told me the craziest thing.
0: No. When they did her autopsy, the wife's autopsy, Lillian. She didn't die from bleeding. She didn't die from brain hemorrhage, brain swelling. She died because the way the injury occurred mm-hmm. to the back of her head. The blood poured down her throat, and she suffocated on her own blood. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Isn't that crazy? Oh, So...
1: That means she was alive.
0: Yes, and choking died. on her own blood. That oh, mm-hmm.
1: That is horrendous.
0: I know. Why'd you tell me that? I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. This thing caused such a bad injury that it actually caused, like, internal bleeding, like, down her throat. Jeez. Isn't that disturbing?
1: Yeah, that's way worse. It's bad enough you get hit the head with a hammer a ball peen hammer
0: right but you and yeah. now you're but suffocating in you th- your own blood yeah like now you want to think like you just get knocked out and mm. that's it but no
1: yeah I, I would think after the first strike you're, you're in but la she la probably land. was knocked out yeah you but hope. the
0: point is she was still breathing right until blood filled her lungs Ugh. and that's how she, that's her actual cause of death nah, that's a poor woman right it's way way worse than an embutol.
1: Mm-hmm. well that's yeah. always a coward way out you know these people kill people and then they, they take themselves out because they're cowards
0: yeah Man. Yeah. But you know, this guy had so much hope. even in 1959,
1: he had crazy shit going on.
0: He had so much hope. He was a doctor, he was an inventor, he was a popular guy, he taught young doctors. And this is how his life ended. Yeah. Tragically.
1: It is crazy.
0: Like he had a beautiful wife, she was younger than him. You know, he was 50, she was 42. He had three kids that, you know, seemed like good kids, like nobody was getting in trouble. This awesome house. You know, and then, and then this is how his, this is how his life more ends. More money,
1: more problems. Well, in his case, he didn't have. A lot he didn't of money. have any
0: money. Yeah. yeah. Man.
1: Mhm. That was a good one for twenty.
0: Right? Wasn't that good? Yeah. I don't know how I never heard of that, but I, when I saw it and I started researching it, I did so much research on it because it fascinated me so much. Like now, I feel like I know everything about this.
1: <laughs> now I, I
0: want to go to LA just to see. I don't want to know anything
1: about it. I want to be the.
0: I want to see this house before it ever gets torn down if that happens. I want to
1: operate the bulldozer that takes it down.
0: You'll get bit by a spider.
1: (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Well, good
0: job. Thanks. Very interesting. Right? Wasn't that? Yeah.
1: I'm just, you know, you know
0: I like it. Right. I know. I know you like the older cases. But the older cases have been overdone. And, And actually, to tell you the truth, when I was, like, looking for, like, sources and stuff, I did see, like, sources that were, like, articles or, like, sources that were, like like old you know old la and stuff like that but i didn't see a lot of people like having covered this i i didn't see it as like a dateline episode or like 48 hours mystery or i, I didn't see hmm. any of that so it's definitely interesting i th- that's why i was like hurry i'll do it because hmm. i didn't know about it and yeah know,
1: a terrible way to go
0: i love scary stuff i love haunted stuff
1: yeah this has like this all the check boxes are made for you
0: yeah this one yeah yeah
1: Ah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well there it is, episode twenty, and that is a milestone episode.
0: Yeah, thanks for right? tuning 20 in. Twenty episodes, that's pretty crazy. I know. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, to thanks episode for checking 20, us out. It was a good one. And you'll have to let me know if you like the older ones better or the newer ones. But I like to bring fresh stuff, so
1: So I'm gonna create a fake Instagram account and I'm gonna post all the stuff on the page about how awesome the old ones are.
0: I'll go back and do some more old ones, but I like to do things that are obscure-ish. If you live in L.A., this is not obscure, but if you live anywhere else, I think it is. Yeah, it's
1: definitely interesting.
0: Anyway, all right. All right, well, we'll see you on the next one. So thanks for tuning in. Merry Christmas.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.